Hello, hello, and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. I'm your host and editor, Brock Wilbur. How are you out there this week? Big, big bummer time out there for for a lot of us with the uh, the passing of Christopher Washington. Uh, he was a uh, bartender at the Drunken Worm on 39th Street, and just one of the nicest, most incredible guys most of us have ever met. Uh <laughs> Usually when, when a friend comes to town, I, I take them there first, uh, get them an infused tequila shot or something. And uh, and everyone that I know that's been through town in the last three years instantly remembered him, even if they've never been back, uh, live out of town, uh, you know. So uh, hard hard to see him go, uh, and it's uh, completely out of nowhere. Um when you're listening to this, I'll probably be driving back from the funeral, uh, and and uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just been something of a week for all of us, and it was uh, fascinating to see the, the community come together so quickly uh, in support of each other. Uh, a day after his passing, his uh, his extended family came to town, and I met up with them. Uh, we we shared some stories. Uh, we had a lot of laughs. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be missed in a big way. Uh, devastating, devastating loss. So that's my positive <laughs> spin on the week. I guess uh, just cherish the people that you love when you got them around. I, I love that guy so very much. And the idea that I will not see him again uh, still hasn't set in. It still feels like some sort of bad joke. And he's going to jump out and be like, surprise, but also like, this was supposed to be funny. It just didn't turn out that way. And I, I know that that's not going to happen. So uh, thoughts and prayers to the family of Christopher Washington. Uh, he will be missed. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show today. Uh, we have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we are going to have an interview with Katie Schomberger, uh, who hosts Downtown Dish. Uh, and, uh, of course, Nick's Music Corner, as always. Uh, but first, uh, we have a story being read, uh, by our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment, uh, that is a story from our magazine last month. Uh, Edward Schmaltz wrote it, and it's about foam fighting, uh, and, and a sort of LARPing, uh, sport that has sprung up in Kansas City. So, enjoy that. Foam Fighters Assemble. Midwestern Vikings, Orcs, Elves, and Pirates Battle Each Sunday by Edward Schmaltz Lay on, a grizzled-looking fellow in his early forties with stubble on his face, wearing a full chainmail suit and a tabard shouts out, as two diverse groups of twenty-five people charge toward one another, wearing garb picked from history books and fantasy novels. Each of them wields a foam weapon of some sort. The game they are playing is Dagger Rear. An imitation of medieval combat, colloquially referred to as wacky bats or boffer battles by its myriad of fans and admirers. It's not quite a LARP, live-action role-play, as although the players take on personas and use character names, the focus of the game is largely athletic. That being said, the vast majority of players are very self-aware, enjoying an athletic opportunity to goof off and express themselves. It is to medieval warfare what paintball is to modern combat. And, most importantly, it is a whole hell of a lot of fun. Daggerier was founded in Washington, D.C. in 1977 by Brian Weiss. Weiss was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and named the game using Tolkien's Elvish, with Daggerier meaning battle game. Weiss envisioned a theatrical game, but the game quickly took on a war game feel, with enthusiasts being drawn to it because of the low cost of entry and the appreciation of the ridiculous. 
Now, 43 years later, the game continues to grow, routinely attracting over 50 people to parks for weekly practices and hundreds more to big events, including Ragnarok, a week-long mega-event held yearly in Pennsylvania. Kansas City's group, Dominion of the Unconquered Sun, was founded in 1997 and meets nearly every Sunday at Meadowmere Park in Grandview, Missouri at 2 p.m. At the core of the sport is this system of foam combat. Combatants wield foam-padded weapons and attempt to disable and defeat other players by hitting them in their limbs or chest. Headshots, save for archery, are expressly forbidden. Once a player has been hit in a limb, that limb is disabled. If you get hit in two limbs or on the chest or back, you are dead and have to walk back to the spawn point before rejoining the game. There are a variety of different weapon types available, ranging from your typical sword and shield loadout to spears, bows, and comically oversized red weapons that can break shields. The unique diversity of weapons means that people of a different variety of sizes and athletic ability can be formidable fighters. I was not at all athletic prior to Daggerier, and I'm still not, says Sarah Viv Johnston, who spends her days programming computers and her weekends shooting suckers in the head. But now I look forward to spending three to four hours in the sun in the park every weekend and working out. Most Daggerier battles are combat versions of childhood classics. Basically, think of any game type from Halo multiplayer. Now add foam weapons. That's your typical Daggerier battle, says Sean Luxon Yoder, a 15-year veteran of the game. Game types include Capture the Flag, Team Deathmatch, and MVP battles, with variants and obstacles sometimes added to the mix, with the goal of the game being simple enough for new players. You don't want to break the rules of physics more than once, says Tanner Tulkus Johnson, an organizer of Casey Daggerier. If the game rules are simple and interesting, people will have a better time playing and focusing on beating each other up, rather than trying to follow complicated rules. Daggerier is a community of people who love to hit each other with foam weapons, but more than that, it is an accepting community of people who create space for everyone to play a role. Outside of combat, that community stands. Participants craft weapons, design costumes or garb, and host events that even the Renaissance Fest can only dream of. Walking through the camp at night is like walking through a feasting medieval camp, occupied entirely by your friends. No one is a stranger at a Daggerier event. Everyone is a friend and fellow participant, says Realm Treasurer Amanda Lady Nessa Lucento. The Daggerier prides itself on accepting everyone with open arms. My favorite thing about Dag is you can be whoever you want, says Aaron Willow Bishop, a transgender woman and dangerous shield maiden. The Dag community, especially in Kansas City, has been incredibly welcoming. Whereas HEMA, Historical European Martial Arts, and SCA, Society for Creative Anachronism, require a pretty hefty monetary investment to get on the field. You can walk onto a Dag field and, after a 10-minute tutorial, be fighting the same day. For those who prefer not to craft their own accessories, Charlie Akuma Red sells garb and weapons at his Shawnee computer store, Hypercomputer and Battle Games. I love seeing the different characters that people come up with. There's so much flexibility in Daggerier. You can take on a historic persona, a high fantasy persona, or even one based on a ridiculous anime, says Red, who loves hearing the ridiculous stories of both new and veteran players. It's a great workout for people, and a great way for people to connect. There's honestly nothing like it. And now it is time for Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. The latest EP from Kansas City's Kiko de Gallo is sure to delight anyone who has ever delved into the catalogs of Ursula 1000 or Thievery Corporation. It's laid-back electronic music which owes as much to the exotica and lounge sounds of the late 50s and early 60s as it does 90s dance floor grooves. 
The new EP, The Long Journey, released via streaming services last month, and it's rapidly becoming my go-to music for calming myself down when things get overly stressful. This exploration of global sounds, as described by the artist, is the key to finding the positive while also chilling the hell out. A Walking Story, the third cut on The Long Journey, features a loping groove sure to take the edge off. You can find Kiko de Gallo's The Long Journey via most streaming platforms, and it's available for purchase on Bandcamp.
This is me hopping on the phone for a quick interview with uh, Katie Schomberger. Uh, she hosts Downtown Dish. Uh, she writes at every publication except for maybe The Pitch. I'm sure she has over the years at some point. Uh, she's been covering Kansas City for like 20 years. Uh, she just knows everything. She goes everywhere and everyone loves her. So uh, this is a, a quick interview with her. Katie, welcome to the show. Uh, please introduce yourself to the audience. Brock, thank you so much for having me. I am Katie Schamberger. I am a full-time freelance writer based right here in glorious Kansas City. Um, I uh, kind of balance writing uh, with clients, you know, doing marketing writing like blogs and, and content, things like that, um, and also write a lot about Kansas City for local and regional outlets. And my newest passion project, which just I'm so excited about, is uh, was very kindly asked by uh, the streetcar and the downtown council and downtown neighborhood association um, and a, another marketing firm, Lynchpin Ideas, to host a weekly YouTube show called The Downtown Dish that's really just all about spreading the word about how downtown Kansas City restaurants, bars, and retail are navigating this crazy reopening process and then giving people information so um, they can go out, you know, but very important to keep in mind, you know, that people are in different comfort zones right now. So definitely still an emphasis on virtual events or carry out food or maybe things that you could do on your own. Um, but just encouraging people to, to kind of get, get back out and about um, as they can. Yeah, kind of hard to have a, have a show focusing on, on a lot of things that include go, going places and being around other people and, and food. And <laughs> Well, and I'm sure you guys at the pitch, are you've been going through some of the same stuff that I have. But, yeah, definitely have had to kind of switch gears with my own writing because a lot of what I've done in the past has been about encouraging people to go out, um, right. <laughs> you know, whether it's to a restaurant or a winery or something like that. So, um, you know, that's been interesting. I've definitely tried to kind of switch gears in terms of like my story ideas. I keep this whole notebook where I log like pitch ideas and, you know, trying to look at things that are more kind of either centered on the home or, you know, just just whatever people had a couple of dilemmas myself that I'm like, oh, this might make a good story. Like, how do you um, how do you make time off at home feel like time off when you're not really going anywhere? <laughs> so I still haven't found the answer to that question, but I'm trying. <laughs> now, is downtown the best part of Kansas City? Oh, Brock. Because I'm, yes. I'm thinking of, of, of the cultural mecca that is Olathe, and I'm not sure if you've been out there, but uh, you want to find hey. a variation in cuisine. Hey, listen, there's some good stuff going on in Olathe. Um, of course, the names of the restaurants are escaping me, uh, but I want to say there's a <laughs> That's, wonderful... That was some low-key shade right there. Well played. No, no. Um, I want to say there's a really good chicken restaurant out there. Oh, God, I'm going to be attacked by Olathe people. Um, I love I to set up my guests uh, uh, to be to be attacked later. 
That's what all these questions are designed to do. There's just a series of traps, <laughs> trap doors everywhere. Thanks, Brock. I'm so, gosh, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> well, I will tell you, so I have been in Kansas City since 2004. I came here, like, the second that Mizzou mailed me my diploma. I was like, peace out, Columbia. Born and raised in Columbia, but I needed something bigger. Uh, so came to Kansas City and started off my career um, at the Star as uh, a real estate advertorial writer. So I was technically on the advertising side. And that was an interesting job to have right when I moved here because it required a lot of driving around Kansas City. And when you think about it, a lot of the new home communities, tend to be out in the suburbs and tend to kind right. of be in more of the outlying areas. So I was really driving all around to, to places that I had honestly never been before. Um, so that was actually a really helpful kind of primer to Kansas City. And I did live. It is, it is cool that your first job in the city was just to uh, spend a year driving around the city. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, now I'm like, you know, definitely embracing the transit side more, but it was cool to like, yeah, just see the the growth and and get to know different places. I had been coming to Kansas City as a kid because my dad was born and raised here, but it was very much like, you know, we're going to this specific place where our family is. Um, maybe we're going to deviate and go to Worlds of Fun, but that was about that was about the extent of my. Like Kansas City exploration. You, you, you'd never but, spent time in the West Bottoms, is what you're saying? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. And it's so funny. I remember coming to um, coming up to Kansas City for that glorious day, St. Patrick's Day, and I think it was my first time driving on 71 Highway. I didn't know this highway existed. But I was driving north into into downtown. That was when the parade route was still downtown, meeting some friends, and just struck by that incredible view that you get as you kind of approach downtown and was like, oh, this is just a, it's a wonderful city. But I do have to say uh, my husband and I lived downtown for almost nine years in the river market. And I, I do. I do think it's the best place in Kansas City. Now, you've written so many places and, and about so many topics. Like I, I don't think that there's anything in Kansas City that you haven't written about in some form based on, <laughs> based on your history and your work. What is, what is the weirdest thing about Kansas City that people don't know? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. The first thing that honestly comes to mind, although it's definitely not weird, um, I think it's just kind of a thing, but I do always tell people, if they're not familiar with Kansas City, that it really is like a small town kind of enveloped in a big city. Like if you kind of start hanging out in your neighborhood or you, you know, carve out your professional niche, like it's really crazy um, just how small the city can be, um, you know, it's kind of like <clears throat> six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon, but on a, on a smaller scale. And it's especially interesting to me coming from just two hours east of Kansas City, um, 
you know, I have a lot of classmates that have since settled here. You know, there's that whole connection. But I'm trying to think. You're, like, really stumping me. I'm trying to think of, like, what's a really crazy um, – I, I just don't even know. I maybe, mean, maybe, then, maybe then the better stories. one is, is what's the oddest thing that you've ever had to write up in Kansas City? Okay, here we go. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, so this is my this is this is my story of a lifetime. Um, I was and it's actually not in not in Kansas City proper, but we're going to cheat because it's in the it's in the the greater metro area. And I apologize because there's beeping happening. Um, of course. Um. So I was at the Star for a couple of years, and I left uh, left the Star to take a position as a magazine editor in Leavenworth. And so uh, this was kind of the rise of the regional magazines. And so we had um, two publications, one that covered Leavenworth County and one that covered Wyandotte County. So that's when I really got to know KCK and and, uh, you know, Speedway area and all that, and that was really cool. Well, in Leavenworth, um, our stories tended to focus a little more on history because of the rich history there. And as I kind of got my bearings and got familiar, I had received some tips over the years or over, you know, that first year that I was there that there was um, some kind of underground structure in Leavenworth, um, underground space. And Finally, one day I was kind of, you know, really digging for a story idea, and I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to kind of pursue this. And so I ended up making contact with a business owner there in downtown Leavenworth that had an entrance into the underground under their office. And I said, oh, can I, you know, come and look around? And they said, absolutely. Uh, first of all, real creepy, because I like scary movies, so I had to, like, <laughs> pretend to be all brave, but over the course of the next few weeks, um, with the help of a lot of business owners and, and a couple colleagues, we pieced together that there was, like, almost in a way that mimicked the layout of downtown Leavenworth at street level, there was basically an underground counterpart, and you couldn't really go too far into it because from my research, some some infill and some things that they had done, I think in the 70s, had huh. kind of blocked a lot of the, the space. Um, but the places that I was able to enter, like I was able to see remnants of what looked like actual underground storefronts huh. and then um, almost like a path in front of the storefront that, you know, at street level, we might think of as a sidewalk. Right. And I just became fixated on what, why is this here? How did this happen? Um, I ended up writing a three-part series for the magazine. Um, It was picked up by one of the local news stations, uh, KCTV5, uh, yeah, because I'm sure you want to go show video of that. That's <laughs> Yeah, and luckily at the time we were, at, at the magazine, we were partnered with a tremendous uh, local photographer, uh, Kelly Walker Chance. And so she came, she actually came Also, down. that's just a great, great news photographer name. 
Isn't it awesome? It's so good. It's so good. Uh, she came down and shot, uh, shot parts of the underground that we were touring. And, oh, my gosh, we used one on the cover, and it's just like, just, you know, creepy, awesome lighting, and there's so much stone. And there were even, like, you know, window spaces cut out. Um, another part we entered in another part of downtown, we could see remnants of, like, a tile floor. So it was giving us vibes of, like, a barbershop type business. Fascinating. Um, isn't it crazy? And so, I mean, I hold up in the Leavenworth Library for just days. I spoke to, um, you know, some of the kind of last, you know, remaining historians that, that may have known something. And I got to tell you, it's it's both the highlight of my career and also the thing that still kind of keeps me up at night because I could not actually definitively say what was going on. There were a couple different theories that I, um, you know, that made sense but I could not ever absolutely confirm. Um, there was a thought that, um, you know, kind of the rise of some of the illegal activity, uh, gambling and drinking, kind of pre-prohibition, that that was a place, you know, you went underground so you could, you know, enjoy your activities away from prying eyes or the police. Um, the, the, the literal underground, yeah. The literal underground, exactly. Uh, there was, uh, you know, thoughts that it was maybe somehow connected to, um, you know, Leavenworth's role in the Underground Railroad, um, the proximity to the river. Um, a lot of crossings were made there, you know, and so huh. I just, it's still, and I actually, I've been away from the community now for a few years, but definitely still keep tabs on things and I was delighted to see a couple years ago that one of the boutiques there in downtown Denmark had actually opened their part of the underground and they would do like occasional tours um, and I believe the money that they raised from ticket sales they turn around and donate it straight to charity but okay. I always thought that was cool I, I wanted to see that myself when I covered it, you know, I, I had heard about like the um, the salt mines and Hutchinson and some of the other attractions around Kansas, and I thought, you know, this could really be something cool right. for Leavenworth. But there is definitely the safety the safety element. But um, yeah, I ended up going down at I think four different points spread throughout downtown and each point was like a very different, you know, one was just a very dark cavernous, scary room. One, like I said, was kind of almost that storefront set up one. It was like we were inside some kind of barber shop or some, some business, you know, still, still can think about it. Still can like smell the kind of, <laughs> damp, mildewy, like underground air, you know, but that was, that was incredible. So you found like a secret, like small town main street, basically yeah. underneath their own yeah. main street. Isn't that <laughs> crazy? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I wish, and, you know, so if anybody out there knows, knows the origin of that, you know, get a hold of me because, um, and I will say that the story, once it 
once it was uh, covered on, on local news here, um, it actually did for a brief shining moment make its way to the uh, homepage of CNN.com, and that was that was huge. <laughs> you that's, know, that's always the highlight of your day. I'm <laughs> the in the world, like I was like, well, I can retire now. I'm good. <laughs> I've accomplished everything. <laughs> I'll just kick back now. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess finally, I'd, I'd just like to ask what what your what your personal favorite part of downtown is, like uh, a, a spot or a restaurant or or uh, anything like that. What what is your number one thing? Mm. All right, I'm going to go gut instinct here because it's hard. It's hard to pick, especially sure. covering so many businesses now on the downtown dish. But the city market is near and dear to me. Um, when we lived in the river market, we were lucky to be a block away. And oh wow, it gave, <laughs> yeah, it just and I knew, you know, and, and I still come across um, Kansasians even today. And, of course, they're aware of the glorious farmer's market, but there's still so many people that don't realize just the treasure trove of um, shops and specialty grocers that kind of surround the farmer's market pavilion. Exactly. It's one of those and things so, that I'm always like, I should just spend so much more time there. It's, I mean, and just like, you know, I like to cook. So, you know, I, I, living right there a block away, I'd, I'd whip up something for dinner, and then I might run up to the, you know, Carollo's Italian market and get some fresh cheese or fresh bread, you know, the the bulk spices at Habashi. Um, that's still the, the only spices that I buy. But just um, – and honestly, uh, going there so much, uh, city market coffee, uh, every time I walk in there, it feels like coming home. But you just get to know the neighbors and the business owners and – it just always felt so welcoming. You know, every time I'd pop down there, I'd probably bump into somebody I knew. Um, still happens, even though I've been, been here in Brookside for a couple of years. But definitely just a really wonderful community in itself in that in that kind of one-block radius, you know, surrounded by, of course, the, the River Market, which is just also a delightful neighborhood in itself. Katie, where can people find you in the show? Brock, you know I'm all over that internet all day, <laughs> er day. Uh, <laughs> hook up with me on social media at Katie Wright, K-A-T-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the good times. Uh, Downtown Dish, we do have our own YouTube channel. We drop episodes every Friday uh, at YouTube.com slash Downtown Dish. And we do have Downtown Dish social media uh, at Downtown Dish KC on Instagram and Twitter. But I absolutely love connecting with people and hearing their own stories about Kansas City. So definitely hoping that people reach out anytime. Well, see you on Friday. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Brock. Bye. Bye. And that was this week's Streetwise podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please rate and review. Please check out all the great work we're doing at epipitchkc.com. And also our new magazine is out on stands across the city. Uh, if you don't feel like picking one up, the digital version should be up shortly. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Picture and we'll get you.